Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children and builds specially adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, as well as work to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He's never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms, nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to the Buck Brief. On this episode, our friend Matthew Tiermund, he is a political journalist, a globetrotter, a man who knows his way around the world. He can blend in, speak so many languages, know so many folks, they'll never catch him. Remember that scene in Indiana Jones? It was awesome. And then the guy's like, hello, everybody, where do I go? I can't find out. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Yeah. But I'm not very Indiana Jones-like. I don't go around with a shovel and a bullwhip. That's probably, yeah. that's probably a good thing for your uh, political journalism career. I want to start, because these are some interesting stories out there. We're getting into the end of the year, and so you know people are starting to shut down. I, I feel like people have heard some stuff about some people or some countries politically that's interesting to us here at home, and you can break all this stuff down. First, this guy, Milei. M-I-L-E-I. He's the new president of Argentina. You were in Argentina, right, yeah. recently? And you could tell, like, 
tell tell me about that. Tell me what you were doing there, and, and why is this guy Millet? I mean, he's got some great clips where he's just like saying he's going to cut this and that government agency. People say he's kind of an Argentine Trump guy in some ways, or at least takes that outsider approach or whatever. Yeah, well, you're the you're the expert. Tell me about it. What were you doing sure. there, and what do we need to know about Millet in Argentina? I was there for the inauguration. I, uh, I've started covering Latin America pretty in depth uh, the last couple of years, uh, especially with Brazil. And I was, uh, you know, I'd been to Brazil a couple of years ago for Brazilian CPAC with Jason Miller. And we got detained after we met with Bolsonaro and interrogated. And so I started going deep dive on the corruption across Latin America and Latin American politics. Wait, wait, wait. Can, can I, this, this is interesting. This is interesting. I'm sorry. I had to jump in. I wanted you to keep going on this. But detained, like who detained you for talking to Bolsonaro? Like, under what pretext? The uh, because we met with Bolsonaro and, uh, you know, I don't know how closely your audience followed the saga that was the election in 2022 and the turnover in power in 23 when Bolsonaro got turfed out under very questionable circumstances. But we were there when he was president and the Supreme Court, who has their own federalized police force, detained us in the airport and wanted to know everybody we met with. They wanted us to write down in a list all the journalists and politicians, opposition and uh, ruling class politicians we met with uh, think tank leaders. Uh, anybody like this, because they were very, very uh, Stasi-like uh, in their going after Bolsonaro. And they ended up winning that battle, and Brazil fell, and it's now run by Lula, which is why Argentina was just such, such a surprise, because Brazil was sort of a, a bulwark, the largest economy there, 250 million people out of uh, 500 million, half the population in South America. And it was kind of a back and forth between right and left until this cycle when the left fully took over. And then everyone figured, okay, Latin America is gone. Colombia, which was a righty bulwark, uh, fell to a forum Sao Paulo Marxist, a uh, narco-trafficante gorilla named uh, Petro, who has horrible approval ratings. So there's some hope that may pendulum shift back. And Chile, another right-wing bulwark, also fell to a uh, to a Marxist named Boric. So Argentina, which has been led by Marxists the better part of the last uh, 35 years, with the exception of one little respite, uh, which was about eight years ago under Macri, uh, that was kind of written off. But amidst this hyperinflation, 140%, Argentina is known as the sort of economic basket case of the West and in Latin America for so many decades since uh, the Peronist socialist movements. Everybody remember the musical Evita, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Well, that was a Hollywood hagiography of horrible Marxists who screwed up one of the wealthiest and prosperous uh, uh, prolific societies in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, well, all of a sudden, the you know hyperinflation, the misery, the poverty, uh, it finally led to the bow breaking and them electing a righty, and not just any righty, an arch libertarian uh, iconoclast. I mean, this is a guy who's not. We think of left right politics. I mean, this is a guy who's an anarcho-capitalist, a libertarian on steroids, who believes that, like well, Ludwig von Mises said, government's essentially a negation of liberty. Government is an evil unto itself. So they just elected as head of the government a guy who doesn't believe in government. Uh, so it is a bit of a sea change. And I was, uh, since I covered Latin America the last couple of years, I was invited to the inauguration and I went and it was eye-opening. The optimism and hope in the streets uh, is is really unlike anything you've seen anywhere where people are so beaten down by by a tough, uh, tough hand that they've dealt. I mean, 140% inflation, the highest denominated bill people use is a thousand pesos. And you have to walk around with a brick of it this thick just to, you know, buy a, a cheap meal. 
I mean, people are walking around with uh, 500,000 pesos and it's like you literally have to have briefcases with you to buy goods. And the rates that credit cards charges are much, much higher than the cash rate, which is black market driven. Uh, so there's some weird dynamics going on there that, you know, we don't even understand in the West. And he was elected to sort of reverse this. And he has this massive mandate uh, unparalleled. Uh, in uh, in Latin America, especially where communists have been ushered in with such regularity the last 30 years. It's really fascinating. Yeah, it seems to me that we somehow lose sight of this in, in, in America, but Latin America overall is kind of going full commie these days. Yeah, the Forum Sao Paulo, it really dates back to 1990. Uh, there's this group, the Forum Sao Paulo, uh, Forao in Brazilian and Portuguese, Forao Sao Paulo, which was formed by Lula da Silva, the current president of Brazil, and Fidel Castro in 1990 when the Soviet Union fell. People remember their, their Cold War history. The Soviet Union was using Cuba as its staging point for revolutions all over Latin America. They were very successful in places like Nicaragua, uh, Peru, Bolivia, El Salvador at one point. Uh, but all that Soviet money was coming into Havana and Fidel Castro was doling it out to, to ferment these coups and revolutions. Uh, the, obviously, the most successful one the Forum Sao Paulo took over in terms of a larger country was Venezuela. Uh, Hugo Chavez, Chavez was a product of the Forum Sao Paulo. So they sort of took the reins from the Soviets uh, and they just kept on notching win after win. I mean, if you look across the map of not just South America, but Central America, uh, it's Nicaragua, El Salvador, Peru, Bolivia, Ecuador, Venezuela, Chile, uh, now Brazil, now Colombia, uh, Argentina for the last uh, uh, 15 years with uh, Kirchner and uh, Fernandez. Uh, and this was the first time a Forum Sao Paulo sort of power hold was broken with Malay's election. And it really is owed to something very simple. They had paper ballots. It is part of the Argentinian constitution. Unlike Brazil, where there were marches in the street, I was there with Bolsonaro when they were pushing for paper ballots and people were demanding, give us auditable ballots. And uh, the government said, no, everything's digital. And we saw what happened in uh, December. W- was, the, was the Brazilian election, you know, I don't think a lot of people follow this that closely. I saw some stuff in the Wall Street Journal. Was it stolen? Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's a reason why there were so many people from the cross-section of society protesting in the streets for months, from the first round to the second round to the second round to the inauguration. The heavy-handedness of the same Supreme Court I mentioned that had detained uh, myself and my traveling party in, uh, in early in 2022, uh, they were acting like a Stasi, doing every. They let Lula out of prison. Lula was in, people uh, forget, Dilma Rousseff, and the previous uh, Marxist government was actually uh, indicted, kicked out, and put in in jail under Operation Car Wash, where they were selling state assets to the Chinese for cash and bags laundered through a chain of car washes on this Operation Car Wash. And the court let Lula out and then put their thumbs on the scale. They said that to criticize election processes was a felony. There was a January 8th, like or January 6th, where they uh, the protesters came into the main building. They locked the doors. They arrested them. They're still rotting in jail. Uh, so the uh, the global playbook on how to uh, obfuscate, steal uh, elections and, and circumvent the uh, natural information flow around elections. Uh, well, the Latin Americans have done it very heavy handedly. And of course, the same um, machines and mechanisms that were used in Brazil were coming out of Venezuela, the same electronics, so to speak, were, that were developed out of Chavez's government circa 2001 uh, that helped him uh maintain total control because there was a referendum that he forced through on himself and disbanding the checks and balances in Venezuelan government. Chavez was elected initially in a honest 
uh, plebiscite, but then they took control and it became very dishonest very quickly. Uh, well, Brazil was a redux of that. And Argentina, by virtue of the paper ballots that they've maintained, they couldn't even attempt to steal it because it was so overwhelming Malay's popularity. Malay had a very interesting rise uh, to prominence in politics. He was a radio host, much like yourself, Buck. You could be running for president in, in, in South American countries, potentially. I mean, I would need be, a little... I would be awesome. They would vote for me just based on on the hair, I think. But you know. I, I'd, I'd vote for you on, on your Second Amendment stance, certainly. Well, that, well thank you. I think you. that's a, if, if a necessary anyone, anyone one. Anyone from Second a... Amendment stance, more guns, better. That's, that's Mal- how I hey, come down on this one. Malay agrees. I like Malay it. agrees. I like this Second Malay guy. Right. I want to ask you about uh, what's going on in the Netherlands, another place where a conservative government is ascendant. Uh, so we're doing the kind of world tour here with our friend, Matt Chairman. But first up, the team at MyPillow has another amazing product. Matt, we got to get you hooked up with these, the My Towels. Do you have some My Towels? We'll get you some My I've Towels. Got my, I've got My Slippers. They're pretty good, actually. The My Slippers are great. The yeah. My Towels are amazing. Right now, I can get you a phenomenal deal. Um, the My Towels are, first of all, they're made with a 100% long staple Sherper cotton. This is ring-spun cotton that makes these towels absorbent and super soft. Get a six-piece towel set right now for $29.98 with my name, Buck, as your promo code. Get the designer premium line for just $20 more. No matter what set you decide on, that's 50% in savings. Find this offer. Just go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Check out the My Towel six-piece towel set, 50% in savings when you use promo code Buck. So go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Get yourself the six-piece my towel set. And, you know, he mentioned the slippers. Slippers are great, too. Use the promo code BUCK, though. You'll get 50% off on the towels. Fantastic. All right, what happened in uh, in Holland, a.k.a. the Netherlands? I mean, that one came out of left field. Argentina was widely expected. But Geert Wilders and his uh, his party, uh, Party for Freedom, them now he's been a fixture in Dutch politics for twenty something years. He he rose up in uh, in sort of uh, public debate opposition to the Islamification of North Central Europe, of the Netherlands, of Belgium, of France, because in the uh, late nineties and early two thousands there were some very ugly political assassinations. Theo van Gogh and Pim Fortuyn, uh, journalists yeah. who are critical of uh, Islam. Bruce Bauer, uh, great journalist, writes for Gatestone sometimes, does some great work on, well, on the did history. Did he write especially. the book While Europe Slept? Because I read that book. Yes. I yes, read that book. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And he because he was uh, he's an American who actually went to Amsterdam to live in Amsterdam. So he watched the slow motion car wreck that was the Islamification of northern Europe. And uh, but in the 90s and early 2000s, this really accelerated. And so Geert Wilders sort of rose up as a public figure in the public debate around this subject, had a fatwa against him, has, you know, half a dozen armed security guards at all times around him. And he wrote a great book called Marked for Death, which really delves into sort of the Quranic precepts. Uh, of Im- immigration, Islamic immigration into the West and what their goals are and their mechanisms for, for a wholesale takeover that'll take generations and we're probably in the fourth or fifth inning on. Uh, but he's been around and there have been other righty parties and they've sort of split the vote, but the other righty parties have been weakening and then with everything that was happening in North Central Europe, not just Islamification, but the sort of Eurocentric control over sovereignty, and the Dutch especially with their uh, with their agricultural sector. Uh, Mark Rutte, who was supposedly a center-right politician, the last prime minister, two-term prime minister, uh, he allowed for the agricultural sector to be nationalized uh, by by fiat, by fiat of the, the Dutch government. And so there were massive protests of farmers on the street, uh, and they were basically selling out the right of their agricultural sector 
sector to sort of major global concerns. And so people rose up against it and Geert's populism just struck a nerve. Nobody saw this coming. I've got a lot of Dutch politician friends in the different parties. Nobody saw this coming, that in this moment, the anger sort of forged a crucible. October 7th, I think, had a lot to do with it. This also woke people up to the dangers of everything Geert had been saying for 20 years. And so he basically has the ability. Now, they haven't formed a government yet. He's not PM yet, prime minister yet. He may be, he may not be. It could be like the Swedish Dems in their victory last year, where they're basically kingmakers and they allow the other righty parties to coalition, but with their vote being integral to that government standing, uh, that could be the same situation here in Holland. We'll know in the next 30 to 60 days as the horse trading of uh, parliamentary politics continues behind the scenes. But this was a sea change. I mean, this was the, the, the worst nightmare of Brussels and sort of the open borders globalist Eurocrats uh, that want to break down all the sovereignties within Europe and in their federated system. Uh, and now this is a big pendulum shift back. So that was also sort of a, for righties everywhere, this has been a very good good uh, couple months for Argentina, for uh, for the Netherlands. There was a bad election in Poland, the Polish right, where everybody thought that they, uh, they had such certain control for the future of this sort of Central European sphere. They lost after two terms. Uh, my friends in law and justice, I live in Poland part-time. I've worked with this party directly for many really? years. Hmm. Yeah, and they in, in Poland and post-communist nations, you have uh, voter fatigue. There's no party that's ever been around. There's no, you know, great governance. You still have post-communist mechanisms and a lot of spoil system. So it, it just arrogance, incompetence, and corruption uh, sort of got them after eight years. And uh, two-thirds of the country said, you know, they still got the most votes, but nobody will work with them, so they can't form a government. Uh, where you juxtapose that with their previous cycles where they didn't have to form a government and coalition. They had enough votes on their sort of basic conservative platform. Uh, well, now two-thirds of the country got together, and that includes center-right to center-left to far-left. They all got together and said, vote for us because we're not the incumbents. And that worked. The problem is that Poland is such an anchor for Central Europe, given it's 40 million people, sixth largest nation in the EU, uh, that this is going to have some ramifications as the previous uh, leading party, PO, very, very Eurocentric, Donald Tusk, who was head of the European Council, uh, and uh, Radek Sikorsky and Applebaum's husband, they're back in power, and that doesn't bode well. They're going to push everything to the left as fast and far as they can, uh, which is not great because Poland was an anchor. So now we're still reliant on Hungary, but Hungary's nine and a half million people. It, it, you know, it swings the needle on culture and debate, but not on the grand scheme of voting uh, within the Euro legislature, things like that. So it's going to be interesting. Europe is still very divided. Um, is Poland worth visiting, like just for fun purposes? Is, oh, absolutely. Oh, should I go absolutely. check it out? I mean, should I take yeah. the wife to Poland? I mean, it seems to me, I always see these like amazing, like photos and video. It looks really beautiful, yeah, really safe. Yeah, it's totally safe. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not an Islamified country the way uh, France and Germany and the Western, Western European states are. It's, it's really quite safe. Food is good. People are super hospitable and wonderful. There's a ton of history. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Warsaw, the capital, is an amazing place rebuilt after the war. Uh, Krakow is like the sort of uh, imperial capital where Wawel Castle is, is, sort of the old historical capital with the uh, with the palace where all the, the luminaries are buried. Uh, Auschwitz is within an hour from there. Everybody should, should see it. Uh, there's great cities like Wrocław, uh, Gdansk, uh, Gdynia. I mean, there's a there's a lot going on in Poland. There's 40, 40 million people. It's, it's a real country. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out. I want to ask you about America here to close us out here in a second, Mr. Chairman, but hold on for just a moment. 
You know, when President Biden botched the Afghan withdrawal in 2021, it sent a message to the world that we were weak and wouldn't protect our allies. Six months later, Russia invades Ukraine. Now we're witnessing a new war in the Middle East that's escalating quickly, and we're seeing that there is a fifth column here at home as well that supports the wrong side in that one. But former Wall Street insider Tika Tawari, he says the biggest risk we face right now is not actually expanding war abroad. It's the collapse of the U.S. dollar. We're $33 trillion in debt, and he thinks that the collapse of the dollar could be upon us. That's why Tika has released an informative video to help you prepare for this possibility. Go to MoveYourCashNow.com to learn the three steps you need to take to prepare and to grow your wealth in the coming months and year. That's MoveYourCashNow.com. MoveYourCashNow.com. Paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. Uh, Matt, just kind of give me your quick uh, you know, one or two minute breakdown of is Trump really just going to crush Biden in this reelection? Because this is what the polls seem to be telling us. What's going on here? I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous about it. I uh, I still go all over this country and there's a little bit of uh, Trump fatigue. Uh, obviously, you know, we've all been very involved with the uh, conservative right, the populist right uh, since 16. It was incredibly successful presidency. Uh, but I, you know, I still worry about turnout on the R side versus the D side. Trump motivates D's. Uh, a lot. And there are a lot of R's. Look, you've got 50 percent, give or take, in the different early uh, primary and caucus states that uh, are looking for an alternative, whether it's Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie. Hell, even Asa Hutchinson, I think, gets one point in New Hampshire. Uh, so it, it tells you it's not as cut and dry. The coalescence hasn't fully, uh, fully uh, come around yet. So, you know, w- we will see. Uh, but, you know, in your promo for uh, uh, the, the product and service you were pitching about where you mentioned the withdrawal of Afghanistan, that weakness really is that's where our concern has to lie. And it's coming to our hemisphere. We were talking on the off the air before we uh, went live uh, with what's going on in Venezuela. That never would have happened under Trump. You, you know uh, what? Let me one. let me ask you actually to close us out formally or not formally, but, you know, finally, I'm going to ask you about Venezuela and the possibility of Venezuela invading a neighboring country. But hold up for yeah. one second on that one. Um, you know, if you do any kind of exercise on a regular basis, you want to get hold of a new pre-workout that's getting amazing reviews, including from me, because I love it. It comes from our friends at Chalk. It's called Chad Mode. That's the same company that makes the male vitality stack, which guys in this audience have absolutely loved. But this pre-workout, Chad Mode, I'm speaking from firsthand experience, it is a game changer. It is that good. It's a powder. You just put a single scoop in a glass of water or juice if you want or whatever before you work out. And I've been getting some of the most fierce and effective workouts I've done in years, thanks to Chad Mode. Go to Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. Try Chad Mode. Also, you can try the Male Vitality Stack if you want something that's more full spectrum to help with a whole range of things. But when you go to Chalk.com and use promo code BUCK, you'll get 35% off in savings. That's Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com, promo code BUCK for 35% off. Uh, Now, Matt, tell me, Venezuela may invade Guyana. What's going on? Yeah, you are such a Chad, by the way. And I want to take part in some of those fierce workouts, baby. That's right. Uh, Yeah, Venezuela. uh, It's an area that is two thirds of the size of the country of Guyana. It's called Escatibo. And it borders Venezuela. And they are poised to invade. They've already amassed troops. What's the reason? Oil. 
This area is very, very wealthy in oil. There are deposits both on, you know, de- uh, in the earth as well as offshore. And Venezuela, which is, you know, well, was one of the wealthiest nations in the world because of their oil deposits and their mineral deposits. But communism proves, you know, as Reagan said, that if you put communists in charge of the of the Sahara Desert, they'd run out of sand. They have mismanaged their state economic uh, oil drillers and refiners so badly uh, that now they're just going into conquest of their neighbors. And knowing that Brazil also borders this is a border part of this region with the other side of Guyana and Lula is an ally of uh, the Maduro regime. Uh, They don't expect much pushback there. Given Biden's weakness, we've seen Afghanistan, we've seen all the other conflagrations breaking out and the Houthis in Yemen and the saber rattling in South China Sea. uh, I think they realize their chances now that they can increase their land and their uh, mineral wealth. Now, I do have some Venezuelan friends who are no fans of Maduro or, or Chavismo in general. But they actually do say that historically this region, Escatibo, for hundreds of years was part of Venezuela and they are in favor of it. Guyana was, in their view, a 19, circa 1900 uh, fake state that was carved out of, you know, its neighbors uh, for no good reason in their mind. So obviously, like everything else, it's complicated, but this would not be happening under a strong uh, Pax Americana we don't have that. Nobody's afraid, even in America's backyard, of doing things like this. And I think it does very, it augurs poorly for America's standing and our interests. Matt Tierman, great stuff, man. We'll have you back soon. Thanks and uh, happy holidays. Always. You too, pal. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, When you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media and we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on but we do it without the left-wing media spin listen to armstrong and getty on demand on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.